Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Welcome to this week's episode of Best Camp of My Life, a podcast about MMA. Kind of, but not really, but kind of. I'm your host, Fernanda Prates, unless you were a member of the Andrews High School class of 2006, in which case you might be looking for the author, Fernanda Prates, the one who lives in a paradisiac island that she purchased with a small portion of her self-made fortune after the government deemed it immoral for someone of such superior intelligence, hotness, and sense of humor to circulate among regular humans. I am the other, averagely intelligent, less successful Fernanda Prates. Don't worry though, common mistake, I will pass the message along to the other Fernanda once she's done with her meeting with Tom Hardy. And by meeting, I mean sex. She has sex with Tom Hardy because she's that cool, former high schoolers who did not appreciate her enough. In case you weren't a member of that class and therefore aren't an entitled dickhead who applied the entirety of your very limited intellect toward tormenting teenage girls with maybe abnormally active sweat glands, this is indeed Fernanda Prates, writer, crier, and podcast host on a mission to make Wednesdays just slightly more confusing. It's a tough job, but someone's got to do it. And at least today, I got to do that with some help. That's right. Yet another otherwise intelligent and talented person has agreed to partake on this nonsense, and I am as flabbergasted as I am excited. Today, I welcome MMA fighting video director Casey Lydon, who you probably know from pretty much every pre-COVID UFC event thrown in the last 10 years, or from the A-side live chat, or from the internet's most glorious and arguably the only hashtag inappropriate FISPO series. Leiden also holds what I consider to be two of the very top honors conceded to any human on this earth. He's married to Esther Lin, one of the world's top combat sports photographers and people, and he's also cool enough to get hate mail from MMA fans, while the rest of us are out here being forced to settle for lazy and uninspiring tweets. Leiden also happens to have an amazing Twitter presence, super cute dogs, and a truly spectacular mustache. In fact, if I'm being honest with myself, the truth is that I very much aspire to be Leiden, but since I cannot grow a mustache, having him on the podcast is the next best thing. It's also an efficient way of gathering intel if one is to say, successfully pull off an elaborate identity theft scheme, which I'm totally not going to do, of course, it was just, you know, a random thought 
and stuff. Anyway, here's our chat. Enjoy it or don't, just keep in mind that I know a very successful and important Fernanda who lives in an island and has lots of money and will not hesitate to incite her small army of very physically imposing lovers against my enemies. I'm sure that the listeners of the show are aware of some remarks made last week that caused some waves within the MMA media. Um, Cub Swanson, UFC fighter, suggested in a tweet that all people who cover the sport should have at least three amateur fights. So, you know what I, as a hardworking, deep-digging, relentless podcaster did? I reflected. I searched And I got us a man who can do both. A guest who is both part of the, insert ominous music here, MMA media, and also an obvious killing machine in training who can and probably will take us all. How's that for a well-rounded perspective? Welcome to the podcast, Casey. Yo, girl, what's up? (laughs) That's not how I talk. I don't know. (laughs) I like it, though. (laughs) Yo, you sound good, girl. <laughs> I like it because, like, I'm already, like, awkward about this because I don't know how to follow that. So I feel like this is a great start. Like, already, yeah. like, I'm just going off script. Um, well, I, but I, I like it. I, I'm always on my on my own stupid podcast, so I always have to be myself. So I guess, you know, I, I, I'll, I'll ruin Nanda's this time. <laughs> <laughs> Take the opportunity to try yeah. on new things and have it not hurt you in any way whatsoever. Um, yeah. I get that. That's uh, <laughs> You won't be the first. I'll tell Aww. you that. Uh, <laughs> Here I am thinking but, I'm original. Uh. Yeah. Well, well, that was an original, an original <laughs> way to say hi. I cannot okay. say I was even remotely expecting that. Uh, I will. Well, obviously, we'll talk about MMA because, like, I have to. But first, yeah. I wanted to <laughs> to touch on a subject that I saw in your Twitter that mm-hmm. um, concerned that alarmed me. You said, <laughs> uh, you said that you really enjoyed uh, Netflix's "The Vanishing at the Cecil Hotel." Oh, we're gonna talk about and that. And I want yes. I wanted to address that with you real quick, just because uh, I don't know if I'm gonna agree with you there. You, so you, you enjoyed it, you liked it. I enjoyed it very much. But you said you're not like a true crime person in general. Mm, I would say overall, no. I feel a lot of it is just kind of. Explo- a little overly exploitive and just um I feel like uh when I watch most when I listen to too many true crime series podcasts you know Netflix series or whatever I just feel like eventually it all comes down to well these cops are dumb or something like that <laughs> like you know you just kind of like oh that's just that dang DA you know or you know something like that but um, I actually learned something completely different uh, I, from um, the, uh, the Cecil Hotel um, crime, se- crime series. Um, are we allowed to, are we, can we give spoilers? I don't want to... <laughs> yeah, people, there are spoilers. Okay, spoiler, <laughs> yes, yeah, spoiler. <laughs> yeah, so, 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 I'm from, so I live in L.A., so when this thing happened... You know, I'm I'm living in LA, so and the Cecil Hotel is something I recognized. I never actually mm-hmm. been to it, but I didn't mean I knew about it downtown. So no, and and I I think I knew I think. Oops, ah, I turn my phone off. <laughs> Don't worry, um, this is we're all yeah. falling apart here. <laughs> um, I just I was 
I just love the kind of the bait and switch of the whole series because the first two, first like three episodes really are very, to me, like very sensational, very, um, you know, I don't know if you're familiar with the American TV series called like A Current Affair. It was kind of popular in the 90s, but it's just, just no. real. Huh? I've never watched it, no. Oh, okay. Oh, when we when you say no, you sound sarcastic. I I wasn't. No, 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 no. <laughs> like no, I haven't seen. No, that just yeah, just sound like a bitch. Like no. <laughs> okay, that's just you. All right. It's my normal. Like people have a resting bitch face. I have a resting bitch voice. voice. It's yeah. just yeah, and a resting bitch everything else. Except yeah. I'm never rested. I'm always stressing, but yeah. you get it. But stressed out bitch yeah, so- voice. I got you. <laughs> but- out bitch. Uh, also, my nickname in college. Yeah, um, but, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, so but you were saying before I ramble too much. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the mo- most—that's what most series are about. But this is kind of a unique series because I knew how it ended. You know, w- mm-hmm. I knew what the case was. I knew it wasn't a ghost. I knew it wasn't some big conspiracy. But the way the show sets it up and it really digs deep into the um, conspiracy theories mm-hmm. and everything, and then the fallout, the conspiracy theories. And then when it kind of reveals the actual truth of the story and you the the what what their actual final their final uh, what the what the cops kind of uh, finally decided what happened, mm-hmm. I was it was and I was it was just sad. I was just really sad, and that's something I don't get out of most crime series. Most like, like I said, most crime series, and by the end you're like, oh, they need to arrest that cop, or you know that stupid <laughs> lawyer. Or, the you know, judge is racist. The judge is which- racist. Like, <laughs> I was like, oh, no, s- systemic racism in the, in, the, in the jury system. That's what caused this. But yeah. this one was very unique because, you know, you know, as much as, you know, I, I, I want to. What, what, what's that? What's can, we, can we curse? Can we curse? That, yeah, go like, ahead. Like this cursing, is... PG-13 cursing? No, all the cursing. <laughs> all the cursing. This is just like a, this, is, this place is a dump. Treat it <laughs> okay. like a dump. Like you can do whatever the fuck you want. Poop, poop, poop. Um, you can do that. That's great. <laughs> that um, will make it to the highlights on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> um, as much as like, you know, the, most shows are like, oh, you want to shit on the cops and the, the, the cops doing your crappy job. I felt like everything was kind of on board, you know, with the way the cops handled it and the way the mm-hmm. coroner handled it. And it just turned out that, that the lady died just because just systemic failures in our healthcare system here in America. And that you no, know, like they built up, you know, like w- when she died, I knew there was, there was this giant, you no, know, I, d- I didn't realize the whole connection they had of Skid Row and all the homeless situation yeah. we have in downtown or all over LA in general. And I mean, I was living here at the time and I never put, I never put those together. But then once you watch the series, um, you realize, you know, they kind of explain um, how, Essentially, she was just kind of off her meds, and because she was in sk- the Skid Row area, she was essentially just another crazy homeless lady down there, and no one cared. And if someone would just kind of came up to that young lady and just said, hey, um, are you okay? Do you need someone to talk to? Mm-hmm. She'd probably have been alive. And it's just a kind of a, a sad story more than anything. And um, And then how the conspiracy theories kind of hurt other people and just— and they were all based on you no know, half truths and just things like that, like the whole the lid and the missing footage and things like that. I was just you know, and it just kind of got me thinking of today. And I mean, you know, we see all these crazy, cons- you know, anti-mask, anti-conspiracy theories. You know, yeah. 
Gina Carano throwing these conspiracy theories out and everything. So it kind of hit home too in that in that and in, in that light. But um, yeah, that's why that's mostly why I enjoyed it. Um, I I it um, I learned something outside of just the factual. You know, oh okay, that's who that's who killed her. You know, yeah. So that that, that- is why I liked it. That's a much deeper answer than like I was kind of hoping you'd say like yeah I liked it and I'd be like you shouldn't have and then why but like now you've you've disarmed me basically like <laughs> I'm forced I'm forced to agree with you uh, no I was curious because I was actually gonna reply to the tweet I'm like no I'm gonna save it <laughs> for a discussion because uh, I agree with you on a lot of things like the Skid Row connections and everything like that and I really liked the last episode because it really showed what you're talking about just like mental health issues and just like how many things had to go wrong and um, the story about the guy that the internet accused of killing her and just because the dude was goth so it's like uh, all those things that was interesting but I just thought it was like three and a half hours too long and they give too much credence to the conspiracy stuff or like because I I, I caught myself looking at it and being like oh wow yeah that's a weird coincidence like oh maybe and then like having to talk to my own brain like no no I think think that's what the show wants to wants wants you to do it wants you to kind of laugh at these conspiracy theories but at the same time you go but you know what that is a crazy coincidence if you really think about the synchronicity <laughs> yeah. is right there you know it's too many coincidences the synchronicity you know it's like maybe i'm a web sleuth you know <laughs> things like that um and once they really just humanized it and yeah. it, made, it made you realize okay to do this conspiracy theory you have to have the police involved the hotel staff you know it was like six levels of people that have to be involved when the actual reality was she was just staying at a shitty hotel in downtown who, did, who yeah. didn't have proper kind of security on their doors yeah. so she was able to access the roof and yeah. at the and at the time she died there was no regulations that you had to put locks on um the water tanks yeah. and then you realize there was just there was just misinformation out there too about the lid and, and just human error and things like that. So I appreciate that's why that's why I thought it, the series kind of was a, a bit of a bait and switch. You know, you think it's going to be just kind of crime yeah. drama like, oh, it turns out the cops are hiding the evidence yeah. the whole time. And it just turns out we were people are just kind of the people are just kind of stupid and they want entertainment. <laughs> and yeah. the least and the least and if you think about it, when you heard about the story about this, this, this Canadian tourist, this young, this young woman who dies and is found in a water tank. There's so many ways your mind can go like, Oh, this happened, this happened, this happened. But it's just, ter- but the, the, the reality was so much it's more just depressing. Much sadder. Yeah. It's it like real way, life. It was, it was way, it was way more sad. It was way yeah, more sad. Oh, it just turns out she was just trying to kind of find herself and she tried to get off the medicines and, yeah. And there was just, she had no friends and, yeah, and these things happen. And then you kind of go back to the beginning when you, when they show the parents at the press yeah. conference and they look extremely yeah, sad. sad. Yeah. But now you realize going back at it, because then the cops kind of reveal, well, it turns out the parents kind of hid some stuff from it. They hid. Yeah. There, there, was, there was some shame. There yeah. was some shame in the um, the family and they, they didn't want to kind of tell the public, oh, our daughter is kind of messed up. And, and um, no, my wife, Esther, 
um, she kind of, when we watched this together, she was like, oh, this is actually a really big deal. I mean, I'm sure it's a big deal in all households, but in, in specifically um, Asian households okay. with parents and the dealing sh- with um, mental health issues, yeah. especially um, teenagers growing up. It's just like, you just don't talk about that. That is mm-hmm. that is just a thing you don't, there's just no such thing as mental health issues. Yeah. You know, so, and clearly she had serious mental illness a mental illness that you have to kind of you you have to see it as the same level she had leukemia you know like it's 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 a mental like, like you don't get you don't get mad at someone for having leukemia like but i feel like you, you know you, you can't you, you can't you can't blame this lady for having a serious serious mental illness and without her medication that me- mental illness is fatal and and fatal in this sense you know that yeah. She'll do irrational things. And then oh, and then when you just realize when the coroner kind of breaks it down, how she got in there, most likely couldn't get out. And then it's like, oh, you realize, oh, yeah, she had a horrible, horrible, scary death. And Yeah. Yeah, basically, like, <laughs> basically, I would say, like, watch it and make up your own mind. But, like, Casey mm-hmm. already told us everything that yeah, happened. Yeah, I can't. <laughs> So, but, um, okay, no uh, more spoilers. This- so, and turn, turn the volume back on, and yeah, and that's the this story. This fired on me because, like, I was—I'm not like looking at more more kindly. We'll reach like a middle ground. I will yeah. say that I think that all this important stuff that was addressed could have been addressed in just two episodes and not four. But <laughs> that's did, where did you did you know the ending? Did, the did you know the story as you were watching? I knew this. I knew the story, but I didn't know it in in that much depth. But I I knew the gist of it because unlike you, I'm a degenerate who likes true crime. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, moving. No, I, I I'm, not, I'm not I'm not objecting to that you are you are you a are degenerate, degenerate and um, that you. that is a that is you no know, putting it very positive. <laughs> I like that you've been like uh, reading me like from the moment we began <laughs> talking today. I like it. I like that sort of pushback. I feel like people don't. <laughs> Don't do that enough here on this space that I so generously invited you to. So uh, I appreciate your attitude uh, problem, Casey. Yeah, but okay, yeah. I'll report you to Esther just so you know uh, yeah, yeah. later. <laughs> uh, one thing you did briefly, there's a lot I think that happened in the MMA world this week that I wanted to talk about with you. But uh, briefly before we get into that, I wanted uh, you actually mentioned Gina Carano, and from what I understood on Twitter, there's a connection there because uh, I want to talk about sort of your beginnings on MMA. And if I understand correctly, your first event was the event in which Gina Carano fought Julie Katzi, right? The Elite X yeah. event. That was literally That's- my first my first gig working in the working in mixed martial arts. I worked. I was hired as a um, an editor. To um, put together segments for that show for Showtime, it was it was like the um, you know UFC is that UFC prime time or you know their mm-hmm. countdown shows. This essentially was the countdown show for that event. So, and were yeah. you familiar or like interested in MMA at all at the time? Zero, zero interest, <laughs> absolutely zero. Um, t- at that, so this is you know fourteen something years ago or whatever. Um, I was a um, I worked in documentaries. Uh, I did you know things like that in L. A. And um, I got hired for this for this gig. So um, mm-hmm. so basically, I just for eight in the morning till eight at night for about two and a half three weeks. I showed up at this little studio in Hollywood, 
in this room they rented with a bunch of computers and um, they gave me a bunch of footage and it was and um, I did two segments. Uh, I did the Gina Julie segment and there's almost zero Julie. It was all the it was all the Gina Crono show. Mm-hmm. And then I did a little bit of section at the end. But I saw uh, but 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 it was just it was just very I don't know full circle or whatever you want to call it. But like yeah like um. I, I was like, oh, cool, chicks fighting. And like all <laughs> MMA at that point to me was simply those VHS tapes in the back of Blockbuster video with like next yeah. to like the faces of death videos and stuff. It was, it was <laughs> faces you know, of death. That's a blast from the <laughs> yeah. past. Like, like I did it. It wasn't a real thing to me. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. just it was just fight. It was cage fight. It was cage fighting. You know, in the lit- most literal sense. And. And uh, yeah, so it was just oh look, she's pretty and she can punch, you know. That's about <laughs> it that, that's about to all. Your that's very about, primitive brain, like yeah. Okay. <laughs> that's about all it was to me at the beginning, and then I know of course the fight happened, and then mm-hmm. you know then I learned you know oh wait they're people they have feelings they try hard they they have they have dreams they actually enjoy fighting you know and the coaches are not are nice you know and things like that you know and then now we're here. <laughs> and, <laughs> And now, yada, 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 um, yada, yada, you know, <laughs> obviously something went terribly wrong along yeah. the way. And so, we're so here. At, at, at the, during the very early Elite XC days, you know, Gina mm-hmm. fought a lot. So I was at the events. I met Gina plenty of times, did photo shoots mm-hmm. of her. Um, yeah, things like that, you know. So um, it's um, it's a wild. I mean, I haven't talked to Gina personally in probably, yeah. I don't know, it's called seven seven years or so. But, um, yeah, so, yeah, things change. <laughs> things, I was going to say, oh, how tables have turned, right? Yeah. Uh, but, and I, there's a lot there that I want to talk about. But since we're, we're talking about Gina, of course, I'm sure everybody listening to this is, and in the world, but listening to this in general is aware of Gina Carano's uh, situation. Um, she had been saying some really fucked up shit online. I'm not even going to yeah. miss words. And uh, yeah, a very, uh, very weird post uh, that sort of, sort of, no, entirely minimized the horrors of the Holocaust by comparing it to being uh, prosecuted uh, for being like a right winger or whatever. Like just a very weird um, thing to, to put on the internet. I don't know, Gina, like, I don't know her heart. I don't know if she was thinking about being anti-Semitic or whatever. I even like thought about maybe not even touching on this today, but while, while we're here. Um, so you're, as a person who has covered this and like who has, you know, talked to Gina, who has known her, of course, it's different than being friends, but it, is it, do, do you feel like there's like a personal level sort of of disappointment of seeing what happened um, her downfall sort of publicly like is there an emotional well, attachment because well, I, I have that for some fighters I think we all do sometimes no it's, it's just funny from like you know you say downfall but from another person's point of view you know a certain mm-hmm. other demographic of the American populace they, they'll be like oh no this is Gina She now she's free you know and things like that but um, for the most part yeah I'll go with downfall um, uh Disappointment? I don't know. It's just mm-hmm. may, maybe if this would have happened, say, in 2015, mm-hmm. you know, maybe I'll be like crazy shocked. But yeah. 2021, you know, 2020, after all this, you know, you know, just, you know, we 
we see the world. Um, yeah. I was, um, I don't know if disappointed is the word, just like more just uh, another one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I mean, and like, and like, I, I never, and like, I, like, like, I didn't know no Gina, but like mm-hmm. all our interactions and everything I saw, way I see her interacting with other people other crew, other fighters, you know, back in the day. And just even, mm-hmm. like, you know, when we did interviews of her after she retired, she's super nice. She's super nice, mm-hmm. you know. But, you know, I'll say the same thing about Pat Militich. Pat Militich, I know, also has very, you know, very, very conservative views. But mm-hmm. I've I've spent time with Pat Militich, you know, at, mm-hmm. at Showtime shows. And we had, we've had dinner together. And this is all pre- I'll just call it pre 2015. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah it and um, and yeah, it was just I was just like, oh, like even Tim Kennedy. I I know mm-hmm. Tim. I I've hung out with Tim actually of 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 all the kind of yeah, I don't know you no know, the very conservative people out there. Mm-hmm. I know Tim. Tim's super yeah. nice and on a one on one level. Like I've I've had I've had lunch with Tim plenty of times. I've. Um, when he was still a UFC fighter and a strike force fighter, um, he would invite me to like, you know, his post fight meals or pre fight meals mm-hmm. or, you know, things like that. He, he'll invite me to, Oh, if you guys want to watch me train or videotape anything, oh, feel free. And, um, like all the ranger up guys, you know, it's just so, uh, I, I get it. I don't know. It's, 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 it's I, I, I like them. I, I like these guys on a very personal level. And I'm just, yeah. you know, and I, I wish things weren't, I wish we all. I, I mean, I think, I think, I think Tim and I think those guys too. I wish. I don't think anyone wants this this kind of weird divide that's just yeah. there, and I don't know what to do about it to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I'm there with you, and I feel like with because uh, you said pre 2015, right? I think that's for you guys. It was that election in here and in Brazil. We had that with uh, Bolsonaro's mm-hmm. election. That was very much. Before we had this sort of idea, okay, I don't agree with this person's views. And, you know, they would say some crazy shit online every now and then. But, like, it was more, it was easier, I guess, to sort of compartmentalize, at least for me. And then, like, during the elections, like, it just became, like, a too big of a of a rift to sort of ignore. Like, to me, it just, you know, and the and and the types of posts and the frequency of posts and just everybody started doubling down a lot more. And I feel like it just became much harder to sort of be like, Oh, I really like this person. They just have like some views that I don't agree with. It was like, ah, can I like this person if we just disagree on such a fundamental level about how the world works? At least that was the case for me. And like you, I just don't have the, um, like a lot, most Brazilian fighters supported Bolsonaro, like yeah. the vast majority of them. And it was to me just a, such a hostile stance to like publicly support this person. Like to me, I can barely consider a person, especially now. But so I understand what you're saying. And I, and I, I also understand the sort of like, at this point, you're just like, oh, great. Again, <laughs> yeah. you're just not even shocked anymore. It's just something that's it's, happening. Yeah, I just, oh, I, I, I miss the days when I've, I, I could, I miss the days when there. I mean, there was, there was a day when like there wasn't a single fighter I honestly didn't like, like on a personal level. I'd go, oh, you know what? They're all just chasing their dream. I, you know, 
I don't have yeah. any issues with any of them. You know, I'm, I don't. <laughs> I might not. I might not be best friends of all of them. You know, I might want to hang yeah. out, but I can. I I can kind of just respect them as people chasing dreams and you mm-hmm. know being athletes and stuff. But like. Mm-hmm. It got to a point where like, oh, fuck that guy, you know, <laughs> fuck that chick, you know, and, and you it have sucks. to separate. It sucks because, right? I, it sucks because I, I, I want to separate it, but, mm-hmm. you know, but there is a line that like as a person, as a person that, that we all draw, yeah. and, it's, and, and each person is individual, you know, mm-hmm. wherever we draw that line. Yeah. And once they cross the line, you know, wherever we individually put that line, yeah. it's just kind of, God damn it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I, dude, absolutely can understand this, and 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 then in 2020, right, we had another like another layer of that because it was the year. Oh, oh, oh sorry, go on, like real quick, just for example, like my favorite fighter pre 2015 mm. was Nick Lentz. I oh loved, no! I love oh, Nick Lentz. No, no, no! I cannot accept this. He's the worst. No, no, this on is social pre, media, this is not as pre, a fighter. Like kind of before he understood how to. He he got he got social media crazy when he was just the carny and he was just all about playing video games and he was just like this weird looking dude that was tough as nails and you know he was in these brawls and and like. I and I I love I like I love that fact you know I love I yeah. love that, that he did I love fighters that don't look like fighters you know and yeah like, and I, I and, get, like, and, yeah. and I used to be like I used to be the biggest fan of Nick Lentz and like and then you know and then he just you know he has he had his views and of things outside the cage and you know and like I said like free speech. He's welcome yeah. to have those views, and like, I don't, don't want to get this whole free. Like, I'm not, I'm not telling him to shut up. I'm not telling him to turn off his. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not allowed to say that. You know, I'm not, I'm not saying that at all. But, but you are. I am allowed to say that's bullshit too. You know? <laughs> exactly. And, that's I think the main thing that we've been yeah. trying to uh, discuss recently, especially with the Gina Carano thing, right? Like. You're allowed to say those things, and I'm exactly. allowed to say that you're like a fucking asshole for saying those things. And yeah. private companies are allowed to say we don't want you representing our thing, our company for saying that. Which is another debate whether like she should have been fired or not. I guess some people, I think, it's a private company and they do whatever the fuck they want. Unfortunately, um, right? Because a lot of the people who believe yeah. private companies should do whatever the fuck they want. Don't think they should be allowed to fire people because that's they like these people. And I understand that because uh, I was joking about Nick Lance being the worst because his social media to me is just like a dumpster fire. Yeah, but I know. And, yeah. it, <laughs> and it was before it was cool. Like, I feel like it's kind of an OG that, you know, from two two years from now, t- uh, two years ago, like people really started doubling down. And I think he's been on that for like four years. Yeah, I'm going to say so. Uh, I had that like with people that I was I still am like um, some tough guys like Warley Alvis, like who I uh, became really close to because I did PR and I did PR. I used to work with tough and I got close to the guys and he was the biggest Bolsonaro guy. And it was like heartbreaking to see. And in my mind, I'm like having the same discussion as you are. Yeah, you're allowed to say these things. Am I being like a elitist asshole or am I being like acting intellectually superior here thinking that everybody needs to agree with me then again it's not like agreeing with me this is like basic human rights so I went through all the <laughs> stages of yeah, that the stages uh, the grief the anger <laughs> the uh, depression denial depression denial. which is my uh normal state of yeah. everything yeah. <laughs> uh, it's 
with the Gina thing to me, it's in, like I'm now curious to see how this is going to go because I think a lot of people don't realize like being a right wing grifter is a lot of work. <laughs> it takes a lot of commitment to the gimmick and you have to be able to push it further and further. And I don't know Gina personally. Uh, so uh, I I tend to think she's not a terrible person, but that's just a guess. And uh, people who aren't terrible tend to come around to it. So I don't know. Maybe this yeah. is me just uh, hoping, but I do think that a lot of people who are being really weird is, are going to come around. Uh, but then, you know, we're talking about 2020 with COVID, of course, and we saw a lot of new layers to this whole thing with like anti-masking and conspiracy theories. And we had the whole situation when the UFC wanted to resume events and we had questions and then like, the media became once again the big enemy of everything <laughs> of all times. And it's a whole thing that I've actually discussed with previous guests. But, um, you know, for you, as somebody who has been covering MMA for all this time and who has these same sort of like conflicts, uh, was 2020 a harder year to be involved in MMA media? Uh, absolutely. Yeah, it was. Yeah, the, yeah it was. It was a, but it was a, it was a very weird year. I mean, obviously, mm -hmm. it, was a, it was a, it was a weird year for everyone. Mm -hmm. um, weird being the most, probably the most positive term to use. <laughs> um, yeah, it was just, it, 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 it was one of the first times where, like, I mean, like, always in the past, you're like, oh, these, there's so many stupid fans, there's such jerks and stuff to fighters. You know, like oh, I can't. I, like this fighter fought their heart, their, their heart out, and now they're online, you know, calling this fighter a coward or you know, mm -hmm. you suck. And it's like, what are you talking about? They're they're the they're the they're the sixth best person in the world at their weight class of doing what they do, and somehow they suck. You guys, it's just completely illogical. Yeah, they lost the fight, but so what? You know, they're people. You know, someone has to win, someone has to lose. This is the normal kind of thing that went in my head. But then 2020, it was like I was being attacked all mm -hmm. the time. Uh, and there were, you know, it kind of went up and down, but like, yeah, like I've, I never, I think before 2020, maybe I had blocked or muted, maybe, I don't know, 10 people. Mm -hmm. And now I kind of, for fun, every once in a while, I look at my mutes, you know, the people you choose to mute on, your, <laughs> yeah. on Twitter and block. It was just like, yeah. it just, you know, you got to go pages and pages and stuff just because yeah. I know I realized that. There were so many people out there who just weren't trying to have um, a uh, constructive, um, a constructive mm -hmm. conversation, you know, and they, mm -hmm. they just they were just out there just to be assholes. And it's like, I don't I don't want that. Um, I, yeah. didn't, I didn't I didn't need that, you know. And um, yeah, so it, 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 it bothered me, you know, mm -hmm. but I just had to get over it. You know, if I want to get through this shit, I got to get over it. And um, just but but also I. Through all the no, because because twenty twenty. So for in case people don't know, in a normal fight in a normal year, I was on the road and traveling mm -hmm. at least let's just call it nine months of the year. You know, I'll be I will yeah. go to pretty much every pay per view, all the mm -hmm. big fight nights and everything. But then after, but then after, of course when everything shut down, the UFC went to just um, essential personnel only. Mm -hmm. um, I went to just a couple events in Vegas, but for the most part, I've been s just at home. And mm -hmm. and before 2020, I, 
you know, I've been on a couple of podcasts, you know, every once in a while. I really like stuff of Ariel when me and Ariel work together, you know, on the, the beat every once in a while. But then after this, I kind of had to, um, I want to say reinvent myself, but, you know, the, my whatever I did for a job wasn't there anymore. So I had to kind of <laughs> do something else. So I started just, I learned, you know, podcasting, a lot of live streaming and things like that. Mm-hmm. And now my stupid face is on camera like once a week at least. And, um, Your glorious so, mustache. Yeah, my, my gift glorious to us mustache. all. <laughs> so, uh, 2020 was weird, but um, and Esther stopped covering. Yeah, you, uh, well, yeah, oh, and, MMA, which, yeah, yeah. Which, you know, I was I was talking about how how just toxic mm-hmm. the MMA world was, and you know, this is you know, the, I, this is I was taking it, you know, and I'm you know, you know, assist straight male, mm-hmm. you know, and. And Esther doesn't come from that, and she just and like Esther, as much as she likes fighting, mm-hmm. like she just doesn't have the same passion for it like I do. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. she just wasn't willing to put up with this shit as much as I was mm-hmm. to, to watch <laughs> the fights. I mean, I yeah. mean, she she can speak for herself and everything, but that was kind yeah, of my course. my thing, my 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 impression of it. She's like, fuck yeah. this, you know. I can do other things, you know. And of course, she works in boxing. Mm-hmm. And she does voiceover work and shorts and pro wrestling a lot too. Mm-hmm. And like, and like, and like about three or four years ago, I kind of redeveloped um, my love for pro wrestling. Okay. Too. Yes. Um, but mostly, and mostly, and people think it's like, oh, you like fake fighting? It's like, no, actually, what I really enjoy about the pro wrestling scene. Mm-hmm. And when I say pro wrestling, I don't mean WWE because um, I'm 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 gonna say I'm kind of hipster and whatever. You like the indie scene, right? In, like, like indie scene, yeah. like, I like a lot of overseas wrestling and stuff. But I just, in general, the fans and the media and the pro wrestlers themselves were just m- so much more pleasant to be around and conversate mm, okay. with, and just I felt I was actually growing as a person. Yeah. When um, from the strictly media standpoint, working in, mm-hmm. in mixed martial arts. Um, I, I don't know, I felt I kind of capped out and was actually kind of regressing as a person in a, in a lot of ways by covering um, mixed martial arts or living in that mixed martial arts UFC-centric world for too long. Yeah. I, just, it made, I felt like it was making me a, just a, um, a negative person, to be honest. Yeah. And I, I, I'm with you. I didn't travel as much, right? Like I, I even mentioned, because you, you don't get to hear the big intro I do before. And I mentioned mm-hmm. the fact that you were basically everywhere <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, for events. And I didn't travel as much. But one thing that I did feel a lot, I uh, speak for myself, is just like how the fight week sort of distracted me from a lot of other things because it was just an interesting, you have this sort of like on the road feeling, you're catching up with people you don't talk to normally. Like I, uh, you guys are better people than I am and I'm a fucking degenerate. So I was like going out drinking with people and just having like, uh, to me, fight week was sort of like also party week, which is interesting because it's the most work intense week. And at the same time, it was the week where I'm always the most hungover, um, <laughs> not a great match. Do not recommend kids if you're listening. Not the way. Never do what I what I do. Uh, but once that was taken away last year, I felt like I saw a lot more of the ugly than I did before, or like I was less distracted. And in a lot of ways, I kind of feel like you because I've been involved in this for like eleven years, and sometimes I feel like. I don't know, like I've stopped growing in some ways or just that I'm too like fucking consumed by this. 
And in 2020, like, I felt like this was really thrown at our faces mm -hmm. with a lot of intensity because we're just so in a, such a weird... And it's, it's hard, I don't know, like, I don't know if it is for you, but, like, when your whole life... We're already very online people, but, like, when your whole life is the internet, which is kind of where we are as a people now, mm -hmm. it gets much harder to, like, distinguish the weight of what that random asshole is saying on Twitter uh, yeah. than it is in, like, real life. Yeah, yeah, I always got I always got very upset when people said it's just internet, it's not real. I was mm -hmm. like, yeah, motherfucker, it is real. Like, <laughs> like un unless you're not. unless you're a robot, you know. It's like, <laughs> then like then we have different issues. Like, oh, I'm mad. I'm then I'm mad at a robot, but whatever. But like, no, like people just if if I was standing outside, if, if I was at a UFC event and someone from the crowd I couldn't see yelled at, you know, you suck. I hope you're fired. You're ugly. You know, whatever. What's wrong with your face? You know, I'll be like, what? Yeah. why would you say that? But if someone says that on Twitter or Instagram, I get, you know, I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to be like, that's not real. It's like, no, it is real. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just, it's just weird to know that there, there are these, there's a, a good amount of people out there who are like, just hating on me. I'm like, man, like, I don't, it's just, it's just so, it's such a foreign feeling because I see lots of, you know, podcasts or commenters like, uh, I don't really agree with that. Like, whatever, they kind of suck. And I just mm -hmm. keep it to myself and move on. Like, all right, you know, unless. But like I, I just, I just, and like it just got the voices got louder and louder, and at some point, mm -hmm. you know, it just and, and 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 it became and it and once it moved past, you know, oh, Casey's an idiot because he thinks you know Josie Auto is the best featherweight ever. You know, it used to be that, but like now it's you know Casey's an idiot because. He believes that you know people should get health care. Yeah. And like what? It's like he's a fucking like, communist. Go yeah, to Cuba. Yeah, Casey. He, then it was like, oh, K K Casey doesn't like Conor McGregor, and he wears a mask. Like what? <laughs> <laughs> he's like he should. Like, I was just like this is weird. And then and then you have people like Dana White just going out going yeah. out of their way and mm -hmm. like calling people like me wimps and crap mm -hmm. like that. I'm like. I'm like, first of all, I say it to my fucking face, man. <laughs> like, 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 you know, it's like, like you're like, say it to people's faces, you know, like just, I don't know. I don't, I don't. I, I would like personally rather not. I actually yeah. like it when people are saying things behind my, like my ideal <laughs> scenario is like, don't say it to a camera or to my face. <laughs> just don't let it, don't let it, talk to all the shitty one when I'm not listening. Um, <laughs> but just, you know, just make sure it doesn't get to me because I will be sad. It will make me sad. Like the Michael Jordan, the last dance meme like and i took it personally i will yeah. take it personally uh but i hear and, and with in your case it also coincided with you having a more visible role right because before we heard your voice asking questions in scrums but yeah. you weren't a face of anything right and now yeah, like yeah. you're on youtube you're more social platforms so more opportunities for people to be assholes and also <laughs> more like visible right i'm sure it's it's gotten a bit uh different not just because of the climate but also because of your roles yeah it just it was different yeah it was, it was just my voice i mm -hmm. I, I, would, I would i mean i interviewed you know you know like you know hundreds of fighters like you have mm -hmm. and things like that and it's just but i was I, i'm not i was obvious and an, i like myself being off camera and everything yeah. but you know it's just the way things are we had like you no know, mm -hmm. we have video podcasts so like oh there's my face <laughs> like all right you know <laughs> So um, yeah, I just had to get used to it, and um, that's just I don't know. That's 
it's that's where life is. <laughs> yeah, I, I touch on the subject a lot because I, I hear a lot of people discounting the weight of these things. Like you were saying, like, it's just the internet or it's just a troll. And like, I would say literally everybody I talk to talked about being affected by these things. So I'm just like, we're people, you can't pretend like we're programmed and we can just like turn it off. We All the people except for Aaron Bronstetter, he's a robot. <laughs> he remains, he's impervious to a lot of things I'll say, or he's a good actor. But uh, one interesting thing that I feel like you brought up as well with Dana White saying things um, about the media and he did that insane video. I had uh, Alex insane Lee, of course, video, here. Yeah, yeah and Lee, uh, Alex Lee, who was mentioned on the video, was my guest and we talked a little bit about this. That was a very direct attack on us and I feel like that also spoke about sort of the general climate. The media has always been an easy scapegoat, but I feel like this has grown stronger because uh, it is a mark of authoritarian governments, but uh, that's a subject for another podcast. Yeah. But yeah. also, like, in general, <laughs> and uh, as I jokingly mentioned in my intro, just last week, uh, we had Cub Swanson uh, tweeting that he, it wasn't, like, an aggressive or hostile tweet necessarily, but just saying that everybody who covered the sport needed to have three amateur fights. Thoughts. Um, it's a little different, of course. The vi mm -hmm. There's not vitriol, I think, there. And I think a lot of the mm. media took it as a joke. Everybody went in there and just sort of joked about it. I saw you joked about it, too. Mm -hmm. And uh, But at the same time, I do feel like it represents sort of a common view um, and that I've been hearing so much. I, I Forever, but, like, now it seems to me that has gotten stronger, that, you know, like this anti... The MMA media doesn't know what it's like. They should fight, the whatever. So, I don't know, like... Um, I shouldn't take it personally, but I kind of did. Again, I Michael Jordan did. <laughs> How are your what are your thoughts uh, when you when you saw that? Well, if I didn't know Cub, and mm -hmm. I know Cub, um, mm -hmm. I would I would I would it did it did look like he was taking a shot. But I realized, mm -hmm. kind of reading his following statements and everything, um, he was like he kind of almost he was like no no I was actually just I think it's good that people if people. If people did this for the the experience of understanding mm -hmm. the emotional highs and lows and all that stuff, mm -hmm. I was like, I was like, okay, I get that. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. Three fights is a bit excessive. I, I feel <laughs> just, just to get that experience. But um, uh, my my big takeaway was, and I kind of want to, I kind of want an answer from it. I'd be curious. Is like I personally think like matchmakers and promoters. Mm -hmm. If you're gonna say media members, no, the people actually for fighters. Who, if they, if you want to get real sympathy for what they do, make the matchmakers mm -hmm. cut weight. Make the matchmakers mm -hmm. go through training camp, and at the last second, you know, oh, sorry, you're, we're pulling your opponent's fight out, and we're gonna have your opponent fight for this card. Mm -hmm. And here, you know, here's fifty bucks. You know, here's a Reebok bag. You know, mm -hmm. it just there's a. I, I, I want I want the matchmakers and the promoters to make to to fill what the highs and lows and financial responsibilities that the fighters have to go through. I think actually for fighters, I think they, yeah. I think, I think, I think promoters and matchmakers need to be more sympathetic, not, not the media. That's my personal yeah. opinion. Yeah. And I, I think what I find strange, because I'm excited. I, I, oh, I, 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 I kind of came up in, in UFC, like, the, you know, when Joe Silva was running things, you know, he was mm -hmm. the, the UFC matchmaker for years. Mm -hmm. And as much as I like Joe Silva on a, on a very one-on-one mm -hmm. -on -one level, yeah, me too. Sometimes, like the way certain mm -hmm. matchmakers 
the way they talk about fighters and their mm-hmm. expectations of them, and mm-hmm. just like these, like these, just these clogs, you know, cogs, just like just mm-hmm. they're replaceable. Just like all right, make way, get in there, make way, get in there. You know, I just it, it was it, it felt uneasy. It was it was like yeah. oh, this isn't why I kind of got into the sport, but it was definitely one of those. You know, you don't want to you don't want to see how the sausage is made type of yeah. thing. You know, I'm with so, you uh, there. I also like really like Joe, and then. I think a lot of hindsight went into it too, just kind of like seeing a lot of, even with the stuff with the the antitrust lawsuit and stuff, like mm-hmm. the tactics and the way that fighters are really treated as sort of pieces in that sort of board um, made me feel very uneasy as well. Um, and I think, but what I do find strange is like, and no offense to us, we're the hmm. softest fucking media. Like <laughs> MMA media is, we're not out there like infiltrating gyms and just talking, like figuring out like the dark underbelly of the sport. We have very few like sort of investigative reporters. Um, and we are, I feel like a generally very still fan, like fan driven media. Um as a whole, like I well, feel like we're I, I, still super friendly. Uh, yeah, in general. Abs- absolutely. I mean, because if we're not, think about just think about just go to last summer when some mm. media were saying, uh, a lot of media were saying, especially at the beginning, hey, we need to stop having fights. We need to stop doing this, mm. stop doing that. And you're saying this because you care about fighters, you care about the mm-hmm. sport, but it was quickly turned around to like, oh, MMA member, MMA media members want to put mm-hmm. mixed martial arts out of business. They don't yeah. want they don't want anyone to make any sort of money in mixed martial arts. I'm like, no, I didn't say that at all. <laughs> you know, so that that kind of reminds me of what you're saying right now. It's like, oh, doing these investigative reports and stuff is like, well, what's the what's the conclusion of that? Like, there's some kind of fallout. So any investigative report is kind of bad for the sport, which means that MMA media hates MMA, you know, so mm-hmm. you can't do an investigative report because that means you hate the sport. And if you hate the sport, why are you covering the sport? You know, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. <laughs> but that's why it's convenient for uh, people in, in positions of power, such as company <laughs> CEOs and presidents and representatives to create that anti-media sentiment, because then you create a villain um a common and easy villain, right? So we're not, mm-hmm. the problem is us because we're pointing out the problem. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I yeah. do feel like behind, not I, you know, Cub, I don't know him, but like behind a lot of these statements, it's a confusion of the roles there because I feel like MMA media, dispropor- not disproportionately, because uh, that's my kind of reporting. Like I talk a lot about, you know, issues, but I'm mostly like in my writing very, uh, soft. I'm like a, almost a fluff writer because I don't really do hard hitting stuff. Um, and a lot of our writing and columns and everything like that is really praising um, fighters and everything. And usually what we're attacking when we are attacking, quote unquote, is like uh, fighter pay, like the structures, the way that these fighters are being exploited. Uh, no better example than what we were saying, the COVID situation, when we we're just questioning the safety for the fighters, like I wasn't going to cover the event. Like I'm questioning this because I don't think it's safe for the players in the situation. And it gets somehow like turned into, no, we're, we're the villains. We're the problem. And it's very easy for Dana White to go and attack us and make this happen. And it creates such a disconnect because then we read something like this and get upset or just, you know, and you create a, a, 
a big gap between the athletes and the media and who comes out as the hero and who's actually not at the root. The problems are big, but like, you know, the people, there are a lot of people benefiting from that kind of distrust. Um, that's why, why to me, it's kind of heartbreaking. Like I understand what he said in an empathy building kind of way. Um, absolutely. Like it doesn't, it's not a bad thing idea that you have sort of an understanding of the subject that you're covering but at the same time i do feel like i built a lot of them a lot more empathy uh, by talking to fighters for so many years mm -hmm. by listening to their stories than i did by uh tra training muay thai which i've done for 10 years mm -hmm. so it's kind of like that's my my rent on this oh, <laughs> <sorry>. <laughs> yeah i mean that's yeah i gotta say yeah i just <laughs> uh, yeah i um my my feelings were hurt a bit from fighters and yeah some, and, and and Dana White in particular, you know, it's yeah. like wow, it's like wow, you just don't care about people as much as I do. I guess okay, cool. But I'm sure <laughs> if you go like to any of these people now, they're gonna be like, oh no, not you, you're cool. Not you, and not you. Was I, 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 totally, I totally get, it. I totally get it, man. I totally get what you're saying. Like, <laughs> They'll say this like about no, it's the the other guys, not you. So I, yeah. that's why I do think that like people are attacking an enemy that they don't even have. <laughs> like, yeah. But hope I do have hopes that mm -hmm. we'll get to the sort of the see the end of this in a sort of more friendly way. I think these are times where things are a little more turbulent. I don't know about you, like. Can we go Sometimes. back to can we go back to Cub talking about taking a fight? Yes. Yeah. Um I actually if you if if I could if yeah, basically I actually but I actually agree if it's a fundamental statement. I mean that's mm. that's that's kind of literally probably about a lot of the reason why I actually train MMA so much mm -hmm. is because okay, well I'm going to do this for a living too. And yeah. is, is, are you telling me I can work out, get in shape, <laughs> and actually create better, I guess, more better interviewing and job skills from my actual day job? I was like, yeah, yeah it's kind of a win-win situation for me. And mm -hmm. so, so I do agree. I do agree with um, uh, training for fights. I don't think I don't think you need to take a fight, but mm -hmm. what I do think you need to do is you need to for a journalist, you need to. I mean, not literally get in bed with a fighter, but you need to you need to be you need to be next to a fighter for a fight mm -hmm. camp at least in the last two weeks and see what it goes through. Like mm -hmm. watch the ups and downs of just doing media interviews. That I you know them getting injured, them fighting through injuries. You know them just doing, just them putting up a lot of the promotional and media crap they have to deal with while mm -hmm. they are preparing to fight another person who is. All they're doing 24 hours a day is preparing to kick your ass, and mm -hmm. that is stressful. And mm -hmm. um, and I and I do think that's what media members need to understand is the amount of uh, emotional mm -hmm. and financial stress. Beyond, I, th I think I think we understand the physical hardships, maybe, mm -hmm. but I think the emotional and financial stress that they have to deal with yeah. for these fights is something I actually still don't quite understand. Um, a, a, a quite, yeah, it's, it's a part, it's still a mystery to me. I yeah. still wonder what, when that, when that fight, even the, you can watch the most basic, you know, you know, LFA prelim, you know, whatever, you know, but you're looking at, it's like at some point you're locked in that cage. You're looking across the cage. There's another dude with lots of muscles making mean faces at you. 
and like, oh crap, we are going <laughs> to fight, you know. And I think that's that that's and that's still what the sport is. And the, at the very end of the day, it's still just two people were going like, all right, I've been working the last couple of weeks to beat you up. Let's see what happens. And um, that is a heavy emotional stress. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, and I think uh, we need to either live vicariously right next to a fighter or heck, do it yeah. yourself. <laughs> so yeah. I, I actually, I, I 100% agree with Cups, I think what he was trying to say. Mm-hmm. Like that, just like, like an empathy exercise or just being able to- Essentially. Of- relate yeah. to a person in a deeper level than just oh, and i, I do agree so, with you yeah but i like, got so i sorry I got, I got so freaking annoyed i had a hard time mm-hmm. like keeping my mouth shut so um <laughs> I, I run the uh i have to do a lot of the youtube streaming for our site in my mm-hmm. fighting so when we had the uh we were streaming the uh, ufc 258 press conference and gilbert burns was mm-hmm. talking and every other comment were like, oh, it's so cool. Gilbert, you know, he's coming. He's talking about his loss and everything. That, that's mm-hmm. what that's what a future champ does. You know, he fought a great fight, blah, blah, blah. And then every other comment was like, oh, uh, I see you stop crying. Hey, look, Gilbert, stop crying. I'm like, what the? Who are you, people? Who, I was just like, who are you? I don't understand. I just don't get it. And, um. yeah, and uh, I, I, I don't I don't know why people are so mean. I just don't They're know. They're just terrible sometimes. But I think and, that's And where it was a lot. It was a lot of comments. It was, and Ugh. Gilbert, as far as I know, has always just been a nice dude. And like he's he never, is. he's a nice guy. He's and a like, sweetheart. And like, it's like, dude, we are watching, I mean, as much as it's, when we watch fights, to me, like, you know, because I'm, I'm a, I don't know, I, I, I try to think of myself as a negative person. <laughs> like, when I see a fight, it's not one guy winning. It's one guy getting his dream crushed. Yeah. Like, Every card, there's there's mm-hmm. ten there's ten fights on every card. That means ten dreams are dying that, that <laughs> night. That's a nice out. That's a nice way of going about it. I, I, that's a very sunny way of looking at things. Like, oh, I just watched like seven hours of sad. Sad. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Just like a whole dumpster fire of yeah. dreams being burned to the well, ground. What, as, as a journalist, I am so much more interested in interviewing mm-hmm. the losers of a fight. Honestly. Yeah. Because you know. Winning is like cool. Every like, mm-hmm. like, like, like. I'm not even. I'm not gonna name his name because I don't want. I feel like I'm trashing him. But like, you know, he won a fight, and then his post mm-hmm. fight, he was like, "Oh yeah, I knew that was gonna happen. I knew that was mm-hmm. gonna happen." And, and people are like, "Oh, so like, you no, know, were you expecting this? Expecting that?" And he'll be like, nah, "I knew that, man. I trained for that. I was ready for that. I knew. I mean, mm-hmm. I knew 100 percent I was gonna do that." I'm like, bro, you got knocked out in your last fight. Did you come in with the same attitude? Like, like if I would interview you after you got knocked out, I'd be like, oh, I totally knew I was getting knocked out, man. I don't know why I even trained, maybe. Yeah, I knew I was going to get knocked out. I was like, I was just like, that's why I'm like, I just don't care about, for a lot of guys, I, I just don't care about yeah. the winners. Not, I don't care. That's the wrong, that's the wrong statement. But um, I'm much more interested in losing. I mean, I, I'm much interested in the, in the losers of the sport, to be honest. <laughs> I'm with you. I, I'm the same way. Um, I talk a lot about the conflicts that I feel watching the sport because I go, my mind goes exactly there. Like I'll see an amazing knockout and it's like so cool. I'll give an example last week, right? Anthony Hernandez pulled off something absolutely amazing against Rodolfo Vieira, who's just jujitsu fucking beast. And mm. nobody in the fucking world was expecting Anthony Hernandez to submit him. I'm pretty sure Anthony himself. And then, you know, 
as if I went along, I was so thrilled because it was just such a crazy thing that was happening in front of my eyes. And then this guy pulls off something amazing. And then immediately my mind is like, dude, what the fuck? How is Sodofu going to react to this? He got submitted. Like, if he had gotten knocked out, it would have been one thing. But like, how? what does it do for his brand? Like, how is he going to recover from this? Like, is he going to be good? So I'm there. <laughs> That's did, did, really did, how my mind Did you read um, Vieira's Instagram post? It was, I cried. It was beautiful. Yeah, it was. I was like, I was like, it was like, and like, and then, and then my mind goes to the broadcast and the broadcast. I mean, Rogue, I mean, Joe Rogan and um, DC, because it, it sounds like they don't know either fighter personally. And they were almost yeah. giddy watching Vieira get his ass kicked because like, ah, look at, look at the guy with all the muscles getting his ass kicked. LOL. Ha ha ha. Like, I don't want to say they were laughing at him, but they were, yeah. they were, they were excited, you know, but with, because with, it was with, like a, a little, weird situation. Yeah. Yeah. With little sympathy for Vieira because he, because mm. he just looked like the meaner, he looked like the meaner, you know, more mm-hmm. fightery looking fighter. But then I read mm-hmm. his post and like Vieira was all like, you know, I don't know what happened. I'm so, you know, I trained my best. And this was the first time my, I think he said his kids were watching, even though they were his young. Kid, yeah. Yeah. It's so, a baby. Yeah. So yeah, he had to watch his dad get his ass handed to him. And I'm like, I was like, man, yeah, like, yeah, for all the, the all the yays for Hernandez, man, there's like so many more sad times for the other yeah. guy. But I, I thought it was cool because it was also another reminder to myself when I get in those mindsets because he was like, yeah, he my uh, his son is a baby. And he was like, oh, he was uh, f- he can't understand anything. But I guess that's cool because he couldn't see his dad watch getting his ass kicked laughs. <laughs> and then he's like yeah. talking about, you know, I'm still very fortunate for this or for that. And I'm like in my mind, like, oh, yes, these people are not as emotionally fragile as I am. So like, <laughs> I'm projecting a lot of sadness into their feet. <laughs> that is not necessarily going to happen but i'm with you in that i feel like we get so much more insight sometimes when we talk to i'm much more interested as well in, in people who lost their fights not immediately because it's so raw and i feel I, like yeah. sometimes it feels a little exploitative but sometimes sometimes they're okay and they are insightful like damien my it's a perfect post-fight loss speech every time he's super insightful and introspective and um it never feels weird but in general like i'm you they have to dig into other things to give answers about what happened and i feel like you get a lot more stuff so i I agree with you i kind of feel that's just uh it's a little bit of the secret to conor mcgregor's success Mm -hmm. is when he loses he gets in front of the mic and he can and he gets in front of the mic immediately, you know, and just says, yeah. I mean, the Habib loss is a little different because, you know, that was that was just wild because he didn't he didn't talk after that. But, mm-hmm. no, when he lost to Nate the first time, when he lost to uh, mm-hmm. Mayweather, when he lost uh, just recently to Dustin. Yeah, he was at the post press conference and did and did just as long as a post presser has the winner did. And yeah. um I mean, he might be making excuses or whatever, kind of talking out of his ass. Mm-hmm. But at least you're hearing something, and you, you, there's something to get from it. And you, and and you realize that as a fight fan, like it, what kind of makes me realize again, you know, as a fight fan, you don't want to see the best fighters in the world. You actually just want to see people you care about fight. And if those and the people you care about, if they happen to be the best fighters in the world, that's a that's just yeah. a bonus. <laughs> Yeah, it's and it's interesting because I understand both, right? Like I understand Ronda Rousey like storming out and not wanting anything to do with that situation because she's so pissed. And I understand the fighter who uh, has the sort of uh, presence of mind. Dominic Cruz, like his, uh, what was it? His Garbrandt loss, I think, right? Mm-hmm. That he was like super 
uh, stood in front of the media and like all the attention I think was was on him because he sort of had that that um, I don't know that presence of mind or just I think it's a personality thing too right like some people are just more um, introspective or get angry or whatever and his his have different reactions to that um, I would be a Ronda Rousey absolutely I'm just the world's <laughs> world's worst loser I'm just for many reasons I'm glad I'm not an MMA fighter but uh, one of them is that I would be like cancelled in like five minutes nobody would stand me I'm just a baby <laughs> I, yeah uh, you know and, 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 and I think that's something that Cub wants people to understand like yeah you know, I think we all kind of know what we're going to be like if we if we want to fight but mm-hmm. I, I I don't know what I'll be like if I just trained my ass off had all these friends show up and you know, had all these, you know, future plans dependent on the result mm-hmm. of that night. And if everything just got flipped upside down with the other way, I yeah. don't know how I would handle that because I've never been in that situation. Yeah. And yeah. And I just don't that's, know. Yeah. It's part of the empathy thing. That's yeah. Uh, I just don't know. <laughs> one last thing before I let you go and we wrap this up because you brought it up on Twitter and I thought it was awesome because I thought it was it was like a fever dream of mine that it had never happened and I had made it up in my mind uh, but we had we used to do like the UFC did a, at least a couple because I've been to two uh, workouts in which the fighters would teach media a few things we had it with uh, yeah we had it in Vegas and we had it in Rio that I remember. I don't know if we did any any more of those. And the fighters had stations, right? And they were teaching specific things and the media would go around the stations and like give it a shot. And I don't think that really goes into what Cub was expecting of us, but it was so much fun. I yeah, I was like, back. this is great. Yeah, I was like, yeah, <laughs> I, I remember that. Yeah, it was it was DC, or at least the one in Vegas. Um, yeah. It was, I think it was DC doing wrestling. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was, I think it was Joe B doing jujitsu. Yeah, with Alan Belcher. They oh, with Alan Belcher. Okay, with someone station. else. And then I think it was Mike Pyle doing just basic kind of striking and Muay Thai. And it was yep. all just kind of drills. It wasn't any contact or anything. But mm-hmm. um, no, it was great. It was cool. It was, it was um, so much fun. And we had food fun. afterward. Yeah, we had food. science. All the yes. science you all could All the science drink. we could have. So much science. <laughs> so much science. Good times. Does it yeah. still exist, science? Because we never I, had it. I'm convinced that that's, I don't know. I don't even think science was real. No <laughs> you think it was all a collective fever dream as well? Yeah. Like, we yeah, imagine yeah. science. Yeah, sh- show me an actual real can of science. Uh, <laughs> no, yeah, right. We actually had empty cans that we kept in the PR office and that we placed <laughs> in the in the on the tables <laughs> back then. So that's a little a little behind the scenes <laughs> for you listeners at home that we actually had empty cans of science. Do, do you drink? I- do, do you drink energy drinks? I used to, not anymore. Uh, now yeah, it's just it's like, coffee. Yeah, me too. Like the idea of drinking an energy drink kind of grosses <laughs> me out right now. But I remember, I remember in high school, I would drink Mountain Dew every day, and like I think I, I think I tried a Mountain Dew like a few months ago. I was like, this is horrible. <laughs> I, I can't believe I had this every day. My teeth are rotting right now as I drink it. So uh, yeah, when I think I of think- ener- when I think of energy drinks, I think the same thing. Like this, it just, it just tastes horrible. But and I just can't. <laughs> I like, like science, though. I thought what, it was what, tasty. What, what must the profit margin be on those things? Because like, I I see they advertise everything, but yet I've never, never even thought. Like in the last fifteen years, I haven't thought about even ever drinking one. So I don't know. I I'm, I am not part of the MMA demographic anymore. That's all I know. <laughs> I, I think I, you I, aged yeah, out of it. I did age I, out of it. 
I had too many like Red Bull vodkas in my time. And, See, that's uh, different. That's different. <laughs> yeah, I feel like it tastes like bad decisions being made and oh, yeah. uh, memory loss. So that's kind of my thing with it. Yeah. But yours is valid too. Um, <laughs> and let this be a le- lesson today that all energy drink experiences are valid. I feel like that's <laughs> a a noble note for us to end our chat today. Um, <laughs> thank you so much for joining me. Any any final messages? Anything you want to plug? Tell uh, my five listeners. They're not many, but they're great. Uh, appreciate you all to listen to, watch, read. Anything? Oh, uh, man. Just read read in general, maybe? Just mm. in ge- <laughs> don't, don't you read anything in particular. Just kind of read in general. Um, Good lesson. I should read more. Um, don't. Don't watch crappy television. Um, don't don't watch crappy movies. Watch watch good art and um, yeah, you know, hug your friends more. Well, hug, hug them once it's safe. Don't hug them now; it's disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> Elbow bump them now. Elbow bump. Uh, yeah, yeah. Hug them later. Yeah. yeah, that's a great lesson. My lesson is the opposite. Well, uh, not about the hugging part. Just watch a lot of crappy things. Um, yeah. You can do both. I think. Yeah. Um, good people do. I don't. I'm just yeah, with yeah. the crappy stuff. But that's, I guess, a cautionary tale. Like if you, people you know, want to end up I, I like just, you, I just said watch, watch, <laughs> you know, enjoy, get more art in your life and all that crap. But dude, this this whole the last couple months of pandemic, all I've been watching are like uh, street beefs on on YouTube and like 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 backyard <laughs> fights and stuff. Like, dude, I I love I love. What, what am I talking about? I am such a hypocrite. I love crappy MMA. <laughs> <laughs> like, I love, love like high I level love. MMA is cool and everything. <laughs> but man, but just seeing two guys who maybe have only had like one day of Muay Thai and Jiu Jitsu, like like whatever blows a white, like two, whatever blow a white belt is, like they're grappling and hitting each other. For some reason, that's just so entertaining. I don't know. <laughs> I love it. I love that journey for you, Casey. I love that you just went around, just came around to your positions in those two minutes. Um, Thank you so much for being here today, for joining me. Thank you all at home or wherever you are. Hopefully at home, this is not the time to be out doing nonsense um, who are listening to this. Thank you. I've already thanked like Keanu Reeves and Mariah Carey. Have I ever thanked Whitney? I have. I'll thank Britney today. Thank you, Britney Spears, for holding on. Even though the world tried to destroy you, you're amazing. And that is it. This has been the best camp of my life. I will see you all next week.